don't die on you because we are live. So welcome back to another episode of the Blasters and Blades podcast. So hi, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies, a place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. So today we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do a, uh, a book review episode. Uh, so we're going to talk about something all three of us read together. Well, not together, because that would be a little awkward. But we all read it independent of each other, and now we're going to meet. We're going to talk about it. So the book is called The Empire of Bones by Terry Mixon. So let me read you a little bit about the author. Uh, author Terry Mixon is a number one best-selling military science fiction author. He served as a non-com in the United States Army's 101st Airborne Division, uh, before working alongside flight controllers in the Mission Control Center at the NASA Johnson Space Center, supporting the space shuttle, the International Space Station, and other human flights, uh, space flight projects for almost two decades. I have it on good authority. He was not in charge of the organization where they accidentally crashed because they mixed up Imperial and Metric. I'm sure that had nothing to do with him. Just getting that out there. That had probably wasn't him. I mean, he probably wasn't the programmer, maybe. Uh, he is a longtime reader that finally decided to settle down and tell a few stories of his own. He lives in the great state of Texas with his lovely wife and a ponce of cats. Seriously, he's an old cat lady, people. We have this on good authority. So, no, uh, for Facebook. Yeah. Where he's we're a Facebook. Facebook. That's what we do. Well, you know, as you do. Uh, so, first, we're going to say how we first found these books. So, Saskia, how did you find these books? Honestly, I found it because you went, I have an audible credit and you need to listen to this. And I went, um, okay, well, I like enough of your books. We have similar enough taste. Let's give it a go. And we, we pressured, uh, we peer, pre there are certain pictures of Nick that exist that we don't officially talk about. NDAs were signed, but we convinced him <laughs> to give this a shot. With he the, doesn't the, remember you know, them. A little bit of friendly blackmail, you know, as you do to your friends. We just made him do it. <laughs> and I actually found so Terry Mixon hosts the listeners of the Dead Robot Society, which is a authorly sort of how-to type podcast where he talks about the the business and the craft side of things, which is not the scope of what we cover here. But I wanted to support him and to see, you know, the the danger of advice is sometimes the people giving it aren't qualified to do so. So if I'm you've wondering. got one book that nobody's read and nobody likes and you want to tell someone how to do the job, maybe that's something you factor in. So I said, well, let me see it myself. And I read book one and then I was hooked. It was like crack. So that's how that's I found Terry. Is amazing. You will get into that. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So first we're going to talk about how we're going to do this, this episode. So I'm going to give a quick little rundown. Uh, so everybody's on the same page. So we're going to talk about the blurb or the summary, which is basically a synopsis. Um, and most of the time, this is just straight from the back of the books, whatever the author tells us is the summary. We're gonna talk about the characters. Uh, do we like them, how they look, act, were they believable? Um, were they sympathetic? We'll talk about the plot, which is basically the general idea or of the story arc. Uh, we'll talk about some world building and some description. We'll analyze the narrator if that applies. Um, I don't know, Nick, are you an, an ear hole or an eyeball kind of uh, book consumer? Uh, depends. Um, there's books that I really enjoy actually just using my eyes and reading it. Um, and then I don't know, there's something about listening to a book that's, it's akin to watching a movie based on a book that you've read. So it's like, I'm getting somebody else's kind of vision, I, even though he's going to read the exact same words I'm going to read. Yeah. But it's but, the tone and it's the voice, the voice yeah. is different. 
I have found yeah. for me, I have to, if I started in one medium, I kind of have to continue it in that medium. And so, this, case in point, um, I'm still listening to um, Forgotten Ruin, but I got the, uh, the digital copy on my phone. So when I read about some of those characters, the voices that come from those characters' mouths in the book are people that I knew in Ranger Regiment. So it's like a totally different experience than when I'm listening to it on like Audible or whatever. And we actually, that's gonna be the next book we do a review sort of panel on. We'll have other uh, fans of the series come on as well. So that should be coming up in the near future. We're recording it in I think a week or two. And full transparency, I, I gotta read this book that we're about to talk about again because I read it really fast and yeah, and it's early, so. And life is crazy for you at the border right now. You life is crazy. So I'm going to be a little off. I'm probably going to start talking about a different book, thinking it's this one. I don't even know. And we know Seska listens to the books because she has to do that to distract herself from the explosion she's making in her, her lab at work. Or the T-virus. making any explosions. How many labs have you destroyed this week? Three. None. <laughs> she said so, the week is young. It starts today. It's only Sunday when we're recording this. All right. Touche. Touche. All right. So we're going to no, talk about the no. near. I, I actually listen mostly because I listen on my walks. It's sort of my motivation to keep going. Uh, and I found I actually walk farther when I'm listening because like it really sucks. And I'm like, man, I could really go for a, just to sit down on my couch. I'm done with this crap. I'm not 21 in the infantry anymore. But then it gets to the exciting part. And I know I only listen when I walk. So I'm like, ah, screw it. I'm going to walk another lap so I can get you know, some some resolution on this scene. Oh, so yeah. that's sort of my my motivation. So I, I do mostly listening these days. Um, and then we'll talk about the book cover. Uh, this is where Nick gets the shine as his uh, artiste mode. Uh, it's the only know. reason I was invited on this show, that my witty banter is my artistic skills. Somebody's got to Somebody has to be artsy-fartsy. So it's it's we, weird. We I can mix in those circles, the hoity-toity, you know, someone taped a banana to a piece of canvas and then talk about the expressionism of the artist and how it's, you know, <laughs> a kid to his inner pain and that's, he's the banana I just and the tape society. Smoothie, hungry. Really, all you need to do is be able to, to BS on the fly and have a quick wit and just think of like the most ridiculous reason for somebody to do something like that. And you can go to any art gallery and look at a piece of art and talk about it. And everyone's just, they're going to be so embarrassed that they didn't think of it. And it could be the wildest thing you could ever come up with. And there's like, yes, you have a valid point. See, I see that now. <laughs> I bet you were horrible when you were in the specialist mafia, the E4 mafia. I was. And then they made me a corporal. And then I was like, worst thing ever. It was, it was like last. I felt like Darth Maul. I was like, soon we will reveal ourselves to the sergeants. Soon we will have revenge. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But so we will talk about the art. And it's not the only reason. But, you know, speaking of art, uh, so we've talked about in the past, if you want to support the show, you know, you can donate at the Buy Me a Coffee. I think Anchor FM, where we do the audio only, will actually let you do donations. But the other thing you could do is you could buy Nick's comics. It'll wake Sleepy Nick up. We promise. And we I love those those comics. I love making them. We link to his stuff on the YouTube. Um, if you go to the About section on our YouTube channel, uh, it has all of his links listed, and it even says Nick's blank website, buy his stuff. So if you want to <laughs> want to support him, we made it easy for you. So easy, also, even JR could do it. And if you are an aspiring artist and you want some 
you know, tips and tricks. You can go to my YouTube channel. That's pretty much, that's all it is, is me drawing for hours on it. Excuse me. So, all yeah, right, so that is artist, get on it. And we will link to his YouTube channel. I did not do that yet because, uh, but we can do that. We can link to it on our, on our channel as well, but we will talk about the book cover in this review. And then we will talk overall our thoughts. We'll give it a star rating, um, you know, and we'll go from there. So we're going to do the summary, which is straight from the back of the book, or in this case, because I read it digitally and listened, it's straight from Amazon. Um, <laughs> but after a terrible war almost extinguished humanity, the new Terran Empire rises from its ashes. Sent on an exploratory mission to the dead worlds of the old empire, Commander Jared Mertz sets off into the unknown. Only the old empire isn't quite dead after all. Evil lurks in the dark. With everything he holds dear at stake, Jared must fight like never before. Victory means life. Defeat means death or worse. If you love military science fiction and grand adventure on a galaxy-spanning scale, grab Empire of Bones and the rest of the Empire of Bones saga today. So first, clearly we need someone who could do the movie trailer voice to read those. And I know, Nick, you do accents. So maybe in the future you could you could test some of those out. I don't know why we didn't do that now. All right, like, give us some of it. Let's, let's, let's do okay. some of it. See, see if you can do better. <laughs> Okay, I'll just reread the thing because we're we're just making up content as we go. I see. <laughs> this is great A audio. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's witty banter for all you listeners there in Radio Land. After a terrible war almost extinguished humanity, the new Terran Empire rises from its own ashes. <laughs> Sound effects. Desperate to regain what was lost, an exploratory mission was sent off to the dead worlds of the old empire. <laughs> Given command of the endeavor is Commander Jared Mertz, the illegitimate offspring of the emperor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's too early for this. Uh, together with his crew, he sets off in an unknown... No, wait, I read that wrong. Sets off into the unknown. <laughs> Except the old empire isn't quite dead after all. Evil lurks in the dark. With everything he holds dear at stake, Jared must fight like never before. Victory means life. Defeat means death. Or worse. Would you like to know more? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that it's was so uh, weird hearing a dramatic male voice say those lines. Would you like to know more? No, because the audiobooks are narrated by Veronica. It's French. Garrett. I can't pronounce it. I'm sorry, Veronica, but you know we love you. <laughs> she she should. I buy books just because she narrated them. Um, she's good, but so it's a little it's a little weird hearing a male voice say those words. And that's why I'm here, folks. That's why they paid me the small bucks. And if the comic book thing doesn't take off for you now, you can be a book narrator. Or a voice actor. I mean, it's a lot better than my idea of starting an OnlyFans. So. <laughs> People like feet. What can I say? Yeah, no, you're not, not me, man. I have hobbit feet. They got, I got hair on my toes. It's gross. <laughs> I mean, and I, I, I should probably be pretty pretty, but maybe get a, like a, a pedicure, maybe a little, little polish on there. <laughs> Don't die, Seska. All right. So now we're going to talk about the characters. Um so we'll start with the, the important one, because Seska is wrong. Uh, so who do you see as the main character? Is there just one, or are there mo many of them? We're going to get you first, Seska, because you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even say anything. 
Dude, we so argued this before ad nauseum. Even Terry agrees with me. Princess Kelsey, who, for those who haven't read the book, she is Jared's half sister, and she is the princess, and um, she is the spare. So she is not the heir. That is her older twin brother, and she is amazing. And I really love her character arc because, I mean, she doesn't really start in as a a flouncy airhead princess to begin with. But she comes in and she is young, 20-something. She doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life. She ends up on this endeavor because she talks with her dad and she's like, I think I want to go more into the political aspect of helping my brother with being doing the politics, being an ambassador when we rediscover colony worlds that kind of thing because she knows that she has this long life where her brother is going to be the ruler. She's not going to rule. So she ne knows she needs to find something and it has to be more than just wearing a pretty dress. And she doesn't want to be the person just wearing a pretty dress. So, and I like that. And then, um, and I think one of the things I also love about it is, um, can I say spoilers? Are we supposed to? All right, hold on. We'll do the banner. We're going to have to make one, but give me just a second so we can warn people. We're going to create the spoilers. Yes. All right. So we we're going to give the, the spoiler warning. So there we go. Spoilers ahead. Enter now at your own risk. The reason why I love Kelsey, and there's no real true ex way to explain it other without giving spoilers, is she goes through some fucking traumatic PTSD-inducing shit. And, and and they all acknowledge it and they all and she has to and she doesn't just like anybody who ends up in a military situation hey it she it's a variety of PTSD stuff that she ends up having to deal with and she does develop PTSD and she does find ways to cope with it. Oh. and she does have to deal with here and there occasionally and I love the fact her character arc includes that because a lot of times when we have military characters and even military women, we don't talk about some of that emotional aspect of, okay, congratulations. You're the sole survivor of a mission. That's going to screw up your head no matter what. Oh yeah. Now, any, and it is, and it's not any more, it's not like Terry doesn't make it like, Oh, well she's fragile and she's a woman. So that's why it messed up her head. No, Terry's like, it messed up her head because it would mess up anybody's head. And that's what I love about her story arc with it. And her, it also changes all of that stuff also changes how she reflects and interacts with her brother, her, her brothers, both of them. Because well, corollary, I would think that the, the princess in this book is more of a real world, realistic, like princess Leia, who actually has to deal with yeah. some of the aftermath of, of things that went on during her journey throughout. Yeah, this. and she really does care about about her people. And instead of being like the wine and, and hors d'oeuvres woman, she becomes the beer and nachos marine. Oh my God, I love so, so what you're saying is she's a mighty midget because according to Terry, I had to do the math because he wrote everything and, oh, there's so many meters tall. I'm like, we're American. Please write feet. But when you do the conversion, you realize she's like less than five feet tall. She's well, I always said I'm afraid of short women. 
My so, mother, why is he pointing at me, Terry? Jesus. Ruth, my mother Terry. is only like 5'2 in shoes. So um, I have been terrorized by short women all my life, as much as I love my mother. Yeah, my mom I'm was 5'2. I'm afraid of them. I'm more afraid of a short, angry woman than a tall, angry woman. Because they have to get on things to reach stuff, and they will climb you like a spider monkey. Next tip We're of the day. In the shins. So this is Terry Mixon, and he is an ageist and a sexist because he's wrong, and he thinks, like uh, Doc does, that Kelsey is the main character. And we know that her older brother, Jared, is the man. He's the one that runs everything and saves Don't her argue with the universe, God. He is right. He yep. is wrong, and he, this is what it looks like when you're an ageist sexist who hates man, who hates men. And <laughs> apparently Doc does, too, because she is wrong. No, I'm not. Jared's perfectly fine. I don't hate him. So I just he's don't the want main him. character. So he's the one that leads the expedition and has to clean up all of her messes. And she goes and does crazy things. And he has to be there to save he's her from herself. He's the he's voice the of reason and experience. He's the voice of reason and experience and has to. If I was a princess, I want would want to be Princess Kelsey. You'd want to be a midget. I mean, I'd love to- my height to be that cool. Okay, fair enough. Fair you enough. know who else is probably probably the other character who's a princess who I love is Princess Adora out of the original Voltron because she became a Voltron command pilot. And Kelsey is the same kind of woman. Clearly, we're all a bunch of nerds. <laughs> all right, so now that we've argued. She was the blue lion, right? Yes, she did become the blue lion. Yeah. She was awesome. My poor that, mother that, had that's when the colors got all mixed up. <laughs> so what we've talked about and disagreed, because clearly you're just a sexist, ageist, anti-man who doesn't recognize the greatness of Jared. But uh, let's talk I have about an ex-boyfriend named Jared. Maybe we'll just blame that. <laughs> sure, whatever's clever. So what did you think of? Uh, well, you said what you thought. Did you have anything you wanted to add about Princess Kelsey Bandar? Nick, sorry, I should have said. Oh. That. Like okay, I'm I'm staring at Cisco. I'm like, come on, answer. It's your turn. Oh, I can I can go on and on about how amazing Kelsey is. <laughs> no, no, I think I think Cisco, you know, just nailed it. However, I, she, I, I don't think she's a secondary character at all. I think she's uh, I think she's a. There's two main characters. There's Jared and and the princess there, but she's set up as like a secondary character, which is kind of interesting. Clearly, you didn't bribe him enough, or he didn't stay bought. So. No, I just think he hasn't read. He hasn't read as much of the series as I have. I have like what book thirteen. Saskia and I have finished the series uh, to to what's out to audio, and uh, Nick only read the first book. Well, it's because I discover. I mean, I'm a comic book guy. I read comic books because they're quick and they're easy. Plus, there's actually more. What was the? There's um, words that the they use in comic books are. Um, at a higher educational level than you find in most novels. They just did research on that. So basically what you're saying is Terry needs to have you make it into a comic book and then you'll read the entire series in depth. No, it's the the thing is, is that the only way I discover new books, because you guys are in the, you know, the publishing literary world, you guys are deep into it. I'm not going to say how deep, deep, but But the only reason I, the only way I discovered these two books, especially in the mill sci-fi realm, which I love, you know, I'm a huge fan of Starship Troopers, um, is through you guys. And so what little free time I do have is like, hey, man, I got you a book. Crap, I got to, hold on. And then I read it and then I'm like, okay, that's cool. 
you know, and then I get to talk about it, which, you know, is awesome. You know, it's like a reading club. It, it, it essentially that's where Blasters and Blades is. It's a reading club, and then we get the author in and we discuss about it, and then we attack him on why he made such, you know, controversial choices based on, you know, and this is just not particular to this book. We do it to every author all the time. So, so what I'm hearing, Doc, is that we need to do some graphic novel slash comic book slash manga. I'm not sure how any of them are different. They look the same to me, just pictures and words. Um, but uh, we'll do some of those reviews so that way uh, Nick can uh, become less sleepy and be animated. No, I'm sleepy because I'm just Sailor Moon Crystal? What's that? Sailor Moon Crystal? Hmm? I, I'm sure, I guess. A, I'm up for anything. What? Isn't that like a cartoon? Yes, but they also did it, it did, redrew and redid the artwork for the manga. All right. I mean, if we could find it's things on, on Amazon or where Comixology or wherever, like I'm, I'm game to try. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am. I, I am the resident. I, I am akin to your neighborhood um, exotic corner engineer. I'm down for anything. So you're like the exotic Nick of the podcast. Well, I mean, it's not really much different than regular. So Nick. exotic engineer, is that like an exotic dancer, but with more tools? No, no I, I was, was making a, a joke on it. I was making a joke on Exotic Joe, like the the, the Joe Exotic. Guy. Yeah, Joe Exotic. I'll never like recover from this. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you who's behind this book, Carol Baskin. <laughs> All right, so we will put that on the list. So, dear listener, in our Facebook group, or you know, you can you can comment on the Twitter. Tell us if there's any any picture books you want us to look at, and we we can add those to the list as well. Actually, and, uh, look, I I enjoy reading, and I and I, I love good storytelling, so. I mean, thank you for you for you guys, dis you know, not discovering me like I'm some sort of, you know, precious metal because I'm not, I'm rust. But, uh, <laughs> you know, bringing me into this virtual book club, you know, so it's it's good. I, I wanted to read more. It was like my, my New Year's revolution, revolution, resolution. God, I need to wake up. You know, and here I am. I'm like, I'm already, what, three books deep. <laughs> so that's more than I read all last year. All right, and and he's also uh, he's working on behind the scenes. Nick is uh, trying to get us some of the the comic book creators to come on, and we can you know broaden our horizons, so to speak, and we yeah, might learn things. Uh, so I don't I don't want to I don't want to drop names of what I'm gonna. I, I've reached out to Ron Garney, who just finished working on Keanu Reeves' comic book Berserk or Berserker, which is now getting option for a movie and a possibly Netflix series. And I reached out to an old dear friend of mine, Jay Lee, and I'm just waiting on the responses. They're very busy men. So hopefully we'll have their, they'll, they'll come on board here pretty soon and we can, we can all geek out about their stuff. But speaking of geeking out, let's get back to this. Cause my favorite character, let's talk about Jared Mertz. So what did you guys think of Jared? We'll go with you first, Siska, cause you're wrong. Actually, I like Jared. Uh, one of the things <laughs> I like about Jared is they don't say it in the book, but it's it's not really a spoiler because they do it really early on, is that Jared is the illegitimate child of the emperor, which is why he's Kelsey's brother, half brother. What um, and it's always interesting because in the army, people think. And you think, oh, wow, if you know somebody or you're related to somebody, it might be easier for you. But it's not always. And so Jared has to deal with that. And I have a lot of and he deals with it well without becoming really embittered. Um, though, I mean, 
there is a little, I think, particularly early on in the book where he talks a little, there's a little tone of resentment, which is hard not to have because when you go in and so in the book, they explain that they, he didn't know who his father was until he went to the military academy when they did the gene print of all the people, just in case, you know, something happens to your body, can we identify it? And it threw up a flag that he was related to the emperor and then they did all this testing. And so he ends up getting shoved into this world and machinations that he doesn't want to have anything to do with. And to be honest, his siblings don't want him to have anything to do with. And he handles dealing with his siblings, particularly Kelsey, very well. In, um, so like in the beginning of the book, it also comes to light that his older brother, after he left on the mission, sent on younger, a- it's his younger brother, younger brother, sorry, younger brother, but Kelsey's older brother. So the, the heir apparent, the heir sent him a care package that was poisoned. Um, crazy, gonna some crazy real Game of Thrones stuff going on there. Yeah. And so the, the, the twin, the boy twin is definitely, he could definitely fit in the Game of Thrones universe. Um, but Jared deals with it very well, including not wanting to tell Kelsey because he doesn't want to destroy her view of her brother. So he, I, I have a lot of respect for Jared for those reasons. And they do a lot of good character growth of him growing into the role of being the emperor's son and what that means through the series, as well as the fact that his main goal is, he he loves his country. He's not always keen on his dad. He's definitely not keen on his twin brother, on his brother. Um, but he grows, but he cares so much about his country that he deals with all of that very professionally. So he basically what she what she was saying as far as the the relationship, once they it becomes apparent that he is the um the uh, the son of the emperor, and he's the oldest son of the emperor. Um, it ends up leading to a divorce with his wife, the empress. It becomes like national news all over the planets that are in their their collective. And so half of the people are being nice to him because they think if they toady up to him, it'll get them connections to the to the throne, and they'll somehow benefit. And the other half want to treat him like crap because they want to prove that they're not being favorite, you know, not showing favoritism. So they hold him back. And then yeah. of course. Man, I have like nothing to say. You guys are nailing all the key points. I love it. We do what we can. Uh, you're going to make us look like morons when we talk comic books. So that'll be good. Um, <laughs> Probably yeah, not. So, so he, uh, he basically, uh, what I really like is they show how creative he is with the situations like tactically. Like the book opens up with this war game situation. Which at first glance you're like, wait a minute, is he really at war? And then of course it like you you see this in like in the part you can preview on Amazon for free, but uh, I, I liked uh, how they opened it with him like tricking people and using creative tactics. And then they have one of the characters that becomes a reoccurring character, who's the uh, the commander in charge of the other side on this war game who can't think on his feet, and uh, and he's like, no, that's not in the parameter. You cheated. I read the rule book and it says you have to let me win. And that reminds me of every time I was ever op for where like anytime you didn't follow their playbook and they get really mad at you. <laughs> so I, I could really relate to that scene. And anybody that's ever been to NTC probably understands. Oh, why'd you have to say that? Ooh, Ooh, I'm sorry, bad memories. Not cool. 
<laughs> and did so they put the, they have the tents out there now? Because, well, yeah, they're probably still there. Last time I was there was like 2012. But when the sun's going down, it looks like Tatooine. Because <laughs> the way they have these little dome tents for, I don't, I don't even know what they have out there, but it's like off of kind of like where they, um, that, they not, hate not, not the housing area, but you know where they put all the troops and you guys just sleep out. Uh, what the hell is it called? Okay, okay, it doesn't matter. But anyway, I've been out of the military too long. I forgot that. But yeah, it looks like Tatooine. You just look over there where the sun's going down, and all of a sudden, I think I don't know if it was my imagination, but you start hearing like Luke's theme, do 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 and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to bed. All right, so we've talked about Jared. We've talked about Kelsey, the two main characters, although I think Jared is the main, main character, and Kelsey's, like, just the main character. Clearly, Doc is wrong. But uh, what about favorite How technical of you, JR, the, the main, main character? Yeah, you know, I do what I can. I, you know, I, I make words. I, th I think we can do better. We'll, we'll call Jared's Jared the, the main primary Then Kelsey's the one who steals the show. Oh, uh, there you Lies, go. heresy. Uh, yeah, serper. Judge been found wanting. Uh, <laughs> so what? Heresy. What about? Yeah, what about secondary characters? Uh, what did you think? Go back to Siska because she's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um, I think the commander of her security detail is really good and i can't remember his name right now. talbot talbot yes thank as you as important as he is in books later books that you can't remember and I, she's your favorite character too i know but i'm jealous because talbot's amazing um so i like talbot's one i really like and uh i really like the fact that he's he's stuck at first dealing with this princess who doesn't understand anything about following the military rules and, and he's he a marine sergeant yeah he, and he's an nco at the time and uh and i really i just really like him and i like andrea and carl carl's probably one of my favorites though carl always makes me laugh even when he's in dire straits so it's angela not andrea this is what happens when you listen sometimes no well okay Angela reminds me of a friend that I know named Andrea. So fair enough. So, so you have lots of friends that are giants because she's like two meters tall. Actually, no. My friend Angela is really short, but they have very much the same kind of attitude and approach to things. So it really trips my brain up. And for you, for you Americans, the two meters he made her is 6.56168 or six and a half feet tall. So she's like the size of my dad. What's your point? It's crazy ridiculous, clearly. You're uh, did we just jealous. Yeah, I mean, at 5'9", I, feel, I, don't, I don't feel short, so you shush your mouth. Okay. <laughs> don't Whatever you luck. say, JR. So, uh, Nick, did you have an opinion on secondary characters? No, no. Um, I. You said Talbot, and I was like, oh, wait, I've been... My, I remembered it as talcum for some reason. My brain <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Oops. That's what you get Going for running around that. the border while you're listening to books. <laughs> well, it, it, it's called multitasking, or what I also like to call it, task avoidance. <laughs> so I can do two things poorly at the same time. Who else can say that? Outstanding. So did you have a fa favorite secondary character? No. Nah. 
I mean, like, I think they're all great. I think they all kind of merge together in in the uh, in the telling of the story. Um, I did find it funny, you know, two meters. You know, that's that's huge. <laughs> two meters. Don't shake your head at us, Seska. Don't no, don't look at us. But Don't then I remember, was, like, hey, I used to bullseye womp rats in my T16 back home. They're much bigger than two meters. And, like, the, the average American's going, like, oh, two meters. That's probably not that big. No, it's not. It is big. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I actually liked Carl Owlett, who's the scientist, who comes on this mission uh, when they go on this exploratory mission. He's, like, a 16-year-old grad student, and he's scrawny and just, like, just uber nerd who's, like, sort of he's growing up as he goes. Uh, and they harp all the way at book 13, which is the last one that's out on audio. They're still talking about, like, he doesn't look like he's old enough to shave. So it's always hilarious seeing sort of how uh, how expansive, like, how his character develops, but how some things never change. Um, so and, the it's, it's, it's the and the more they change, the more they stay the same. Um, and uh, uh, Nick was being shy, and he typed in the comments. So I'm going to read his comment, unless you want to read what you just typed. About the universe? <laughs> well, I was going to... Yeah, oops. I'm sorry. We will try to schedule later in the day so you're like awake. <laughs> no, no, this is good. It it, 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 it's, it makes me feel like I'm back in ranger school. It's like, hey, you only got like an hour of sleep over the last three days. Now write an op order. <laughs> <laughs> so... No, I was going to say the universe itself is uh, is a character, and that and that's probably one of the the best things that I enjoy about writers, and I think it's a very huge feather in their cap when they can do that, when they can make the world itself a character. So it's something that I I really look at when I'm reading any type of science fiction um, is is the universe or the world that they're creating a character within itself, and it is, and it's expansive, and those are one of the things that I like. You know, I dig it. You dig? I dig. All right. So we'll talk about the plot a little bit, which, as we said, was basically a general idea of the story arc. So was it action-packed? Was it easy to follow? Did it lag at all? Um, and I'll go first this time uh, while he sips some more coffee, as you do. Uh, and I'll say I actually liked that I, I felt like the, um, the story didn't really have any slow spots. Like, there were definitely lulls in the action, but it never felt like the book stopped or dragged. So I, I really dug that, and uh, there was just enough action to keep you going. It's not, like, full-on mill-SF, like we're, we're used to, like, with The Forgotten Ruin or Galaxy's Edge or Last Tentorian, where it's just, like, boom, boom, boom action. That one was for you, Seska, because I know you love that book but it was there was definitely lulls but this is a lot closer to what used to be considered classic space opera that had the military themes in it although i don't know if space opera's kind of gotten away from some of that now it's just like a telenovelvin space is that how you say that i'm probably butchering it i don't oh, do the uh, telenovelas Telenovela. yeah. it's it's like a, a space opera well i guess space opera is the title of the genre but you know what i mean like it's so overly dramatic that sometimes yeah. the plot and that's it you that's every telenovela that I ever watched. Like when I was learning Spanish. So when I was at the Academy during Spanish, my brain has tried to learn so many languages and I only retain it as long as I can conversate in it and have someone to conversate with. But to help me learn Spanish on my off time, I would have telenovelas um, playing in the barracks in my barracks room. So when I would, when it came to like me having to stand up and and do things in Spanish at the academy, I ended up accidentally adopting the 
how they talk and the the drama to it, you know. So they're like, all right, tell us how would you say put your hands up in Spanish? And I'd be like, manos arriba. <laughs> you know? you all right, tell them they're under arrest. Uh, usted, you know, usted arrestado por estar en los Estados Unidos. <laughs> Ligamente, you know, it was very dramatic, you know, and then I would go over to my instructor and slap them because that is in every telenovela. <laughs> At the end of every conversation in a, in a episodic, an episode of a telenovela, it always ends with someone getting slapped is what I've noticed. Fair like, I really like your jewelry today. So, but yeah, so basically the, the plot that Terry writes is very, uh, and we're sorry about the sidebars. We just can't help ourselves. Um, okay, sorry, not sorry, but uh, the plot arc is was very uh, reminiscent of the classics of space opera from back in the pulp era, which I really like, which is just unapologetic fun with no need to feel like they're telling, you know, great messages or preaching at you about anything. It's just fun for fun's sake, and I totally dig that. In this crazy world, we need more of it. I really liked out of it the fact, um, if you're familiar with David Weber's Mutineer's Moon, it has some of the same tropes of kind of a lost colony. Uh, but I think he he did, when you read, Mutineer's Moon is great, and I love the entire trilogy. But in great some time. ways, I think Terry did it a little bit better. So if, if you don't know Mutineer's Moon, Mutineer's Moon is set on Earth, and it's Earth was, there was a mutiny on a, on a, on a um, imperial ship and they evacuated to earth and that's where we came in and thousands of years later and then it kicks off but um with a guy from nasa getting kidnapped by the sentient ai that is in the moon because the moon's really a warship um Damn it, i got another fucking book to read <laughs> And so, not to diss on that one, but I think Terry does a really good job of say, taking some of the same kind of premise and running with it in a very different direction and a very satisfying direction. So, and I really enjoyed, I, I enjoyed both, so. And, okay, and, um, and when you just uh, said that Terry Mixon was better than David Weber, if you want to send hate mail, we will send it to uh, Terry Mixon. You're going to get me in trouble. At gmail.com. Okay. No, no, no. Hate mail, we should send to Walt because I love messing with him. He's one of my dearest friends. <laughs> he, would, he, would, he would appreciate it. Like, dude, I'm getting all this hate mail. I'm like, okay. So Walt at Blasters and Blades Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> no, I, I'm not. Okay. I'm Nothing but love for you, Ranger Buddy. Different direction, but it started in a different direction. Fair, and, fair enough. And um, because, I mean, Terry doesn't have it set on Earth. So... But I thought it was really good, and I really enjoyed the almost lost colony kind of motif with it that, that the first book really does start with. And he expands it into being much more than that. So it's it's really good. I enjoyed it a lot. And Nick already answered in the last question, so I won't make him repeat himself because I don't want him to seem like a parrot. That would be bad because um, he could probably kill me in my sleep. You know the whole ranger thing. So instead, we're going to move no, over. I just made a copy of you with my fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, we're gonna, 
we're gonna I, talk about, I call it a struggle snuggle. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about the world building and description. I sort of combine them uh, in this interview platform or format because I think they, there is some overlap. There is nuance that makes them different. But for our sake today, we're going to just combine them. So, Nick, what did you think of the world building and description? You've touched on it a little bit. but I, I think everything was flushed out. And uh, everything was explained in a way that made sense. Uh, the universe was consistent with just enough of like the mundane day-to-day -day life um, facets thrown in there to ground it in reality. Um, everything made sense and sucked you into the story. Some of the details seemed inconsequential, but those hooks just made me think that the uh, large universe will continue to grow and expand. Okay, fair enough. What about you, Doc? Oh, I really, um, I enjoyed it. Um, so you really do see where he has truly thought up, okay, what, because the world that Jared is coming from does not know what really happened to cause the war. They just know that the war happened and that, and a lot of the records from that time period are gone now. So, but you can see that Terry didn't just go, so I have this war and I'm not even going to worry about why yet. We'll get to that and figure it out later. Like he knows from the get-go. And there are some authors not, not to diss on the seat of your pants writing and world building, but there are some authors where like Marion Zimmer Bradley, she, when she did her dark over series, she, she created a world and she created things, but she had to fill in why things were the way they were. And she didn't really know when she was putting them in that way. And you do understand as a mature critical reader that that happened. And she did a good job with it. But Terry, you know, okay, he knows why the war happened. He knows all the different things about why that war happened the way it did. And to lead to this. And you start to get those nibbits of it without him, without and Jared and Kelsey starting to learn some of this, without them feeling like they're stupid. Like, you, you don't to, feel like they're stupid and like, why didn't you know this? Duh. You want me to rock your world? He's a pantser. He talks about it all the time. He makes it up as he goes. He just. Well, once then he's he writes, very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he, he just goes back and he keeps like a universe Bible that he, uh, he updates. So that way he stays consistent later. But as he writes each book, he fakes it. Like he doesn't know where it's going to go. Oh no, uh, but I mean he knows where it's been. That's the big thing is he knows where yeah. it's been. And that so, you cannot know where it's going to go, but you need to know where it's been to build a foundation. Like he knows enough. he he knows the gist of, like you can tell when he sat down, uh he knows the gist of why some of it's the way it is. Fair enough. So I actually like the the way he did the world building in the description. So that for me, this novel was like chock full of visualization. So you could definitely imagine yourself in the world, which for me, like a sign of a book that I really like. If as I'm falling to sleep, like I'm envisioning side quests in that universe where for whatever reason, it's just something I've always done. I tell myself stories set in that world in my head where generally I'm the person getting shot at. It's just what I do. Well, you do get shot at in some of the freestanding stories. I do, but that's that's all. I, I want to be the Joe Buckley of my generation. So we can talk about that at the end. Um, but so, like, I, I like that he did all the description. Um, and what I didn't like, though, was a little, which is one of the gripes I have with Terry's writing style. And I've even told him this, but like, I, I wish he would be more descriptive on on like the people. 
like it's a trend right now to describe like less is more with descriptions. I'm more of a Tolkien-esque, like describe every blade of, blade of grass kind of guy. Oh, so you're um, like, if one word will do, let's put in five? Basically when it like comes to David Weber? No, because I don't like have staff meetings galore. Like that part's not interesting you know, to me, but whatever. Missiles, what's your point? And roll pop. But anyway, no, like I, I just like knowing what the characters look like instead of having to fill those details in myself. I know like artistically why people do that. It's the same reason Master Chief never takes his head off. You want the readers to be able to put themselves in the story. But I do that anyway. So for me, like, no, tell me what she looks like. Tell me what he looks like. Tell me what the 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 uniform and the ships look like, because that adds to the detail. And those kind of things, like you don't have to go crazy, but just more. Um, it's not enough, obviously, that I don't keep reading because I've read the series like several times. Uh, I'm finishing up book 13 for the fourth time uh, and waiting for 14 impatiently. Um, unfortunately, Audible is being insane right now. And they're like, some books sit in review hell for months. Yeah, Mel uh, had my Lux sat in review hell for seven months. I'll never forgive you for introducing me to Audible, by the way. <laughs> but, but that's you know if that's my only complaint i suppose terry's doing an okay job um so let's talk about the narration so uh i'm we're gonna butcher her name but veronica jiggerary i don't do the frenchy how is it spelled i can tell I'm you gonna, i'm gonna veronica copy it into Jigger. our notes i'm gonna copy it into our notes okay. right there and then while he he's has it as that, a he he made her into a character later on, so I think he did that just so that Gere. you pronounce her name correctly. So Veronica, uh, we, yeah, we're gonna That's play the safe. commercial she recorded. So this is the actual narrator. It's thirty seconds, so just bear with us, uh, and then we'll oh, get back dear. and talk about the narration. The Terran Empire is dead. Long live the Empire. Commander Jared Mertz, the bastard son of the Emperor, and his half-sister, Princess Kelsey, barely speak to one another. To their dismay, their father seizes an opportunity to change that and sends them on a dangerous quest to explore the fallen Empire. Separated from home by an impassable gulf and struggling to redefine their relationship, they find themselves thrust into a vicious war. Unless they work together to stop the Empire's deadly legacy, Billions face a horrific fate. Empire of Bones, written by Terry Mixon, now available at Amazon.com. All right, so I've got to edit that. I, I threw that together. I downloaded it off his site, and then I used some weird magical program to turn it into a uh, MP4. Which program was it? What program was it? Is um, I'm pulling it up. <laughs> it's the Hanwhoon program. No, I've got it on my little bottom of my screen, but it's slow to load. It's uh, I don't know. It's, it's I think it might have been something cool. It is Wondershare Filmora. <laughs> it turns MP3 into MP4, and I can do overlays. Well, I got to work on that name. It, uh, whatever. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so what did you, that was Veronica. G, uh, reading that, um, and what did you think of the narration? Because uh, I know you've read some of it and you've you've gone back and forth, but but what did you think of the narration, Nick? I liked it. I liked it. I I, I liked the voice. Um, I liked the. It gave you just enough to kind of like get you in there. 
that she sounded hot. I'm just gonna say that on I'm gonna say that on the air. I don't care. Sounded hot. <laughs> that alone will get me into a book because I'm I'm such a basic human being. <laughs> oh, she sounds hot. She's she's pitching a book. I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> <laughs> she um yeah. So what did you think of the narration, Saskia? Because I know you've done both as well. You've listened and you've read. Yeah, I've actually, you know, she was really the first audio book that I started reading and listening to this one. And that was actually the first audio narrator that really got me hooked. Um, so uh, I really like it. She does a really great job of pulling off the male voices when it's time to do those. And accents. She does very clear accents that don't sound muddied if that makes any sense. And her, her words are very clear. I really like it. She does. And she does an amazing job. This was the, this was the book that got me into audiobooks. She's awesome. I, I like, so some narrators, when they do the book, re, book reads, they sound like they are robotic and I hate that or just no inflection whatsoever. There are books that I legitimately liked that I won't listen to the audio because I hate the narration. So like On Basculus Station by Weber, I enjoyed that book. I cannot stand the narrator. Or uh, And then of course it doesn't help that it was recorded in like the eighties on a like vinyl and then like transported to Audible. Don't, don't talk smack about vinyl, JR. I'll fly out there. They sound better <laughs> than CDs. Well, anyway, like, but some, but then, you know, you listen to like you. So for me, like just because I like the book, I don't automatically like the narrator. So I, I like that. It's not robotic. I, I like it when it sounds like, like a friend is over at your house and just reading the book to you. Like, that's kind of what I get. It's not like there's the other style of narration, which we haven't really listened to as a group, but it's where it's almost like a stage play where there's like the dramatic music in the background and sometimes multiple character people reading the characters. Yeah. Like I have some, some of those and those are very different. Um, takes more mental space to listen to those. So I can't really like, I gotta be really focused. Most like, most like you're watching a movie and in which case I'd rather just watch a movie. Um, so I like her style. Like it's, it's very conversational and fun. Yeah. Oh um, no. I mean, I read the witch. I've listened to the witcher books on audio and, uh, the narrator is very clipped and at, at like every word is very clipped. And um, so it's very different and I get that. But as long with the books where they have multiple narrators, so it, it can be jarring switching narrators. So I really like it. And I like that he has done all of the books with her. Uh, not all of them. We'll get in that in just a second. I also like that her voices were consistent. So he wrote the Imperial uh, Marine Saga, which is like the pre-fall Terra. Yeah, but that's with and a different one. But we're not talking about that series. We're talking about Empire. So this oh. series is all with her, but uh, he, he's worked with other narrators too. Um, and she pronounced all the important military words. So it wasn't like adjutant became adjutant. A route became a route. A route as in like everybody like ran from the battle. Like she got all of the important military words that people often mispronounce. She got them right. So no corpsmen for her. Um, which I really, I really. Oh God. I love corpsmen. They're like zombies. <laughs> yeah, we triggered Nick. Calm down. Deep breath. Drink some coffee. Drink some coffee. But um, cheers, mate. <laughs> so I really like that her voices were consistent. And the cool thing is, if you listen to book one through 13 because he's been writing this let's let's pull this up i'll tell you real quick so he's been his first book was published in july 2014 
and she's been writing or she's been his narrator since then. And so like you can hear her her get better as the series goes along, which is kind of a cool thing. You get that with um um Jack Campbell or John Henry's uh, Lost Fleet series. He has Christian Rummel narrate that and you could hear like like when you listen to those that series too when you see the narrator start as like a baby narrator and they get better that's kind of just cool from a from an artsy fartsy standpoint so i really like that i think i really want to do though in the future that's no on my bucket list is to be a narrator on a book for like audible or something well, there you go. Any li- uh, authors that are listening and want to... Uh... I'm an amateur voice actor, which means I don't know what I'm doing, but I like to have fun with it. <laughs> Nick really knows what he's doing, but we love him anyways. You know, well, <laughs> let me rephrase that. When it comes to comics, do you know what you're doing? Oh, absolutely. But then he's got that that army skill of fake it till you make it. But I think we've beat this narration horse to death. So, uh, Well, I think it's important. To beat things, and I really (laughs) (laughs) to ride that horse. What? (laughs) Ride that horse to the old town road. Ride a horse, save a cowboy. Right away. That wow. Yes. What? Uh, 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 All right. Uh, Now we're going to talk about Nick's favorite part. We're going to talk about the visuals. We're going to talk about that book. Visuals. Okay. Here's what I really like. Don't be weird. I'm I'm not going to be weird. I'm not. Okay. I'm going to be a little weird. Mainly because I'm not wearing pants in this episode, but <laughs> as you do, because they're short. <laughs> waka waka waka. I'll, I'll be here all week. Try the veal. Tip your waitress. <laughs> okay, so here's what I like about <laughs> this cover. Um, it is a center show. frame it's shot, which is, huh? I'm not you showing you. <laughs> I'm not showing you my shorts. <laughs> they're really high on the thigh. But, um. What the hell was I saying? Oh, it's not about the cover. <laughs> okay. Uh, from a graphic design standpoint, I th- I'm not a huge fan of the cover, to be honest with you. I mean, the artwork is beautiful. The way it's everything's put on there with the typography is just, it's very mundane. It's very dime store. Classic? Uh, no, I mean, it's, it, I don't know what it is. It's just like, there's no explosion. But I, no, I'm I'm talking from like a purely graphic design standpoint. So like how I would have set this up, like if you gave me that image and everything that you wanted on there, I probably could have done something a little bit better to make it look pop out a little bit more. Um, I don't like that the uh, they use the same font and bevel and emboss for the author as well as the the title of the book. I there should have been some hierarchy me. there, but. Let's focus on the artwork, which I really love. I, I think it's a very spectacular piece of art. The artist took a what a center frame shot, which usually you don't want to do. You don't want it in the XY, the crosshairs, if you will. You don't want your focal point to be there. You want to add some drama to it, which they did. They lowered it down a little bit and shifted it slight to the left, which was awesome. Um, but I, I think it's a very, very great piece of artwork there. It's something I would like to have on my wall. Um, so when I is, when I get a new room where I can put all my sci-fi covers that I like. <laughs> so that was like that was actually designed by Donna Mix and his wife. Um, and so one of the things is is you know if you're not in the book world, he's an indie author that started at the beginning of the indie revolution. And back then, I mean, like you could like scribble and crown on a piece of paper, take a picture of it, and throw that up as a book cover, and that was good enough. People were so stifled by the trad pub market that didn't really service what most people wanted to read. I think Bane was the exception. Is the artwork, um, is that, was that done by his wife? 
Yeah, that was done by his wife with stock art. Oh, wow. um, so I think I mean, that's image for the space setting is actually a Hubble telescope colorized image. Uh, and then it's a stock 3D rendering of that spaceship. Uh, and she added more. Um, and so one of the things that you want to do when you're writing a series is obviously, you know, you know this too from comics is you want to brand it. And so yeah, once yeah. that sort of became his brand, um, it, it became like they were not stuck with it. Like, I, I just think if they rebranded it, they'd lose something. So it is a throwback to what used to be stylistically what the market wanted. I, I do like it though. I'm not, I'm not. It's classic. Know. Yeah. I, and so the market I has love. evolved. What what offends me is the uh, the typography and layout of the text. <laughs> As a graphic designer, I'm just like graphic designers that are listening. You know what I'm talking about. Fair like, you'll see something. You're just like, ah, I really want to know their notes on why they chose this. So the one thing that that has changed over the covers is that they almost have a more HD look to them now, uh, whereas before they were less. There was less resolution for the images. Um, and I can't find on Amazon because the Google is failing me, and so is Bing. Uh, but the older one had a more like it just didn't pop as much. I, I think they went in with the new technology between 2014 and now. They just added like the better I don't know whatever the magic they do of art, uh, all the pretty colors. But I I I, I did. I mean, it. The, there's nothing like wrong really with the layout and all that. Um, it's just I think more pop could have been happening, and I understand that like. You know, you do with what you got as an indie guy. Trust me, I know. But, uh, you know, but glancing over if there was like a, if they wanted to redesign it, there's some, there's some options that I would, that I would have taken. Um, that would have probably just made it stand out a little bit more. Because as a comic book guy, as an artist, you know, I definitely judge a book by its cover. Luckily, the artwork definitely saves the layout because it is uh, a very interesting piece of artwork. It, it's got, you know, shiny things and colors, you know, like, and most human beings are basically raccoons that walk upright, you know, and we like shiny objects. So the, the cover does work and it's a beautiful piece of artwork. I, I like, I like that it has depth, so it doesn't feel static. So it's like, you can see things happening behind the, the main. So your focus is on that spaceship, which is a weird look for a spaceship, but it's grown on me after 13 bucks. But it's functional. Like, yeah. And be, it's functional in the form. Yeah, and behind that, like you can see like the, the space scene. So there's depth to it that I really like. And that is one of the things they gained when they updated it. Like they didn't change the basics of the image, but whatever they changed when they updated it, it has depth that it didn't have. And I really dig it. Um, what about you, Saska? We've been, you know, ranting and Nick has been, been doing his artiste thing. Yeah, which I've enjoyed I like I've the color. Been pedantic here. I think it's just very classic. Uh, I think the spaceship design is a very classic spaceship design. It looks similar to some of the things I've seen for sketches of Weber's, for example, um, in the Honorverse. I like it. Uh, I think it gives you a sense of movement and that they're going out and exploring with how the lines and the movement, the the lines and the graphic and the, it looks like they're going into Warcraft. Well, and that's important so, because it's an exploration book. It's an exploration yeah. adventure tale. So like, Very true. I, th I think if it was faced the other way, it wouldn't have the same impact and tell you as much about what you're getting into when you start getting into the book. Yeah. So one of the things that you get from Terry's writing style, which we didn't really talk about because this is, like I said, it's a little bit more on the craft side. But so Terry was raised in the backwoods. 
Uh, and so like, he didn't even have probably running water till he went to the army. I know he literally, like, he talked about some of this. I don't know Back if it was like what, Pasadena or? I, well, he's not from Texas. I just knew he grew up in the sticks. He said as much. Uh, and he was a, um, his parents were older than, than most parents for, for his cohort. And so his tastes and sensibilities were the dime store novels from the pulp era. Cause that's what he could get. I'm on the uh, best so Little Rock. Is it Little Rock? I don't know. But so, so his, he's, he has read, a lot of backwater towns. Yeah. He read books that were already old when he read them. And so his like, tastes go back to the classics. And so you see a lot of that in, in some of the design choices he makes in some of the way he structures his books and the way he writes. So that does make him stand out because nobody really does that anymore. And I really like it, but I was raised on Louis L'Amour books. Oh, I love those books. I had all of them growing up. But you know, um, you, when when your dad is a Navy SEAL slash stuntman slash professional bronc writer, you know, cowboy, <laughs> he's like, "Here, read this." And I'm like, "I don't, I don't like westerns." He said, "Read it." And I'm like, "Okay." All right, so let's wrap this puppy up with talking about the overall. Um, Seska, you're going to get to go first this time because sometimes we have manners and we let ladies go first. Hush. Sometimes, not hush, often. hush, hush. <laughs> Uh, overall, I really like this book. I would recommend it to anybody who likes some of the more classic literature. Um, if you liked the Planet Pirate series by Anne McCaffrey, or it, um, which was one of the early, early Mill SFs, I would recommend this. Uh, if you like Mutineer's Moon or Honor Harrington by David Weber. Um, he does do some of the technical aspects that Weber's gone in really known for with his Honor Harrington, but he's not slogging you through. There are no waves of missiles. Uh, um, They've got pew pew lasers. They have lasers. I do like the lasers and really, really badass armor. Um, then I, I would really recommend it for anybody who wants to feel some of the classic, but without some of like it, it's definitely more updated some of the technical references um and some of the words i mean he does sort of use some of the words like from from that seem a little old-fashioned great word choice stop knocking on the fact that he has a vocabulary and you don't I, i'm i'm not i'm just saying that it's not he like, good with words <laughs> when you read older books sometimes the language is stilted and, and you don't when i say he harkens back like he he's the perfect blend so you don't get the stiltedness sometimes of the old um the older styles but you get enough of a nod to it that you can definitely see the, the yeah you get enough uh, he definitely has a good vocabulary um he has carl's great because he does add some of that lightness to um and some of the what we would view as modern pop culture references that are ancient pop culture references in the book. How hurtful. Uh, I feel attacked. <laughs> As the old guy of the group. So he does a really good job with it. Um, I think that it is definitely one of the best indie books I've read. All right. And uh, on that note, would you give it on a scale of one to five, one star to five stars? What would you give it? Five. Five. So that's one of the things we're going to do, dear listener. If we absolutely hate a book, unless it's like a classic, uh, we tend to probably just won't review it. We probably won't even finish it because there's too much negativity in the world and we don't need to add to it. So if we don't have nice things to say, we're not going to say anything at all. So we if it manners. seems like we only show for the book. Our mommies taught us manners or our drill sergeants, whichever one was the case. Sometimes um, they're one and the same. Well, yeah, <laughs> my, my, my she didn't, didn't like being called mom. <laughs> 
my mom made my drill sergeants look nice and cuddly. So um, well, I hope she doesn't my listen. Gig line, it's drill sergeant and no. <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen. Uh, I, I might still have to stand in the corner. But so like if it seems like we're shilling, it's not that. It's just literally if we don't like it, we probably won't finish it and we definitely won't review it. So we sort of self-select. So if you're looking at someone to be mean and, and like snarky about a book, probably not our reviews. I'll be snarky. I'm just not going to be a jerk. I mean, don't don't take that we're not going to deconstruct and pick out things that we didn't like about something because we definitely are. Yeah, but, it, uh, but I think that adds to the overall, you know, how we enjoy the book too. We're able to to look away from or focusing on the negative aspects that we didn't like and really focus on what makes the book work. Absolutely. So on that note, uh, Nick, what did you think overall of the book? And then when you're done with that, uh, scale on one to five. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I love a good exploration tale. I like that it it has a lot of things in it that I enjoy about other male sci-fi, you know, um, franchises and stuff like that. So I it, there's a little bit of Game of Thrones going up in there. Um, there's a little bit of Dune, um, you know, like when you start talking about like hierarchies and royalty and stuff like that um, and dealing with that. Um, but the exploration, um, the world itself is a character. And I, I really love it when authors do that because it, 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 it's balanced to the point where it doesn't take away from your, your two primary characters, which we've talked about because Sesco was wrong. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, and it, and it keeps you involved in the story and, and it leaves you wanting more. And thank God there is more. So um, I give it a five. Outstanding. So. It uh, on currently on Amazon, and obviously uh, Terry uh, is mainly an Amazon author. He does have some stuff that's wide, uh, and as the world changes, he'll probably take these wide eventually. But uh, Kindle Unlimited is great for for space opera and mill SF, so a lot of authors sort of stick there. I know Seska, you're a Barnes and Noble girl, um, and you don't like it that we shell, shell for Bezos, shill I should say. Um, but he has uh, on Amazon. He's got 267 reviews and um, 4.3 rating. Um, and a lot of the one stars are like they didn't even bother to comment. So we can't really analyze that, which we could do if you guys are interested in us analyzing those reviews uh, on those platforms. But I think it's criminally low. It's a five star book, in my opinion. Um, so, but I'm biased because I've read it several times. Um, it was a lot of fun to read. I think that's worth mentioning again um, because, like I said, I mean, there's room in, in for gritty, but sometimes fun for fun's sake is good, especially in this crazy world. So this has sort of been my happy place. I do like that it harkens back to the uh, that space opera, the classic era that I really I really dig. I do like stare, that Terry's style is a lot. It's a blend of the old old and then the modern, which well modern all things relative. Um, I like one of the things he does is writing. So if you have a book and you can't tell who's talking because all the characters sound the same, like that really bugs me so i like that he he added in enough personality ticks so like with kelsey she's always eating which i really think it's criminally unfair they haven't invented those implants that let you eat whatever you want and never gain weight in fact you're constantly getting in better shape because it's burning the calories there's a bioorganic uh implant that you can ingest it's called a tapeworm <laughs> <laughs> oh I Fair, about don't it. do it you something will go wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> Probably I'll grow like a fifth head or something. I don't know. I wouldn't trust a tapeworm in tapeworm in this modern age. You'll grow like a 
third arm or something. <laughs> Trust me, it's fine. It's fine. What could possibly go wrong? It'll be your new best friend. You get like another head. It's like a big worm head. It talks to you. I'm writing that book. Uh, yeah, you should, or comic. It'll be even cooler <laughs> with pictures. Actually, uh, so, I, being on the show, I'm thinking about like wanting to like take a crack at writing a novel. You should. So there, I like that there are no deep messages or political themes. It's just fun. So I give it five out of five stars. Yeah, so um, did we not cover anything you guys want to add or did we, we wrap this puppy up? I think we're ready to wrap it up. All right. So if you uh, found this book intriguing, um, the link for the book on Amazon will be in the show notes. Uh, if you want to follow Terry, because he, he made you you know want to check it out. His website is terrymixon.com. Uh, on his website, you could sign up for his newsletter. I'll link that directly on uh, on the show notes. His website or his Facebook uh, page is um, facebook.com backslash Terry L. Mixon. And his Patreon is patreon.com Terry Mixon or backslash Terry Mixon, which is where you can get the books and chapters early if you want to pay in advance. I think it's like $5 a month gets you access to the chapters as he's writing them. Um, and I think he has other tiers, but I haven't checked it out. Um, so that's a thing if you're interested. But uh, before we wrap this up, Seska, what are you doing in the world of Dragon Cons? I understand the nominations are in effect. So how are you doing this fantasy literature track? So we are, nominations are in effect. Um, and we will close that off in a couple months. So we have a whole bunch of categories, including comics and sci-fi, mil military, fantasy, science fiction, and science fantasy. fiction as well as fantasy. And... Um, so I'm not going to tell you who to nominate. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I will tell you it is the best way and the most open for fans to have their voice to nominate. And um, because it is actually, if you're one of those who loves indie authors, more indie authors win the Dragon Awards and get Dragon Award nominations than any other standard um, award that has been given out in the writing industry. So it's because Dragon Con is fans for fans. And um, we are happily planning a wonderful in-person show for this year. Outstanding. Uh, what about you, Nick? So what uh, I understand that uh, we've motivated you to get back into the world of drawing things. So this yeah. is a sample of what you're working on. Can you this zoom is... that in a little bit on your end? Yeah, I think Hold on. Let, let me try. <laughs> Let's see if I can zoom in here with the zoomies. But this is more. this is Nick working on his comics, his picture books. My picture books. Um, this, I don't actually. I don't even know if I should share it, but I don't care. Andrew, if you're listening or watching this on YouTube, I'm sorry. I just I think it's a really cool pick, which seems very pretentious since I'm the one who drew it. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, he's. It was for his Patreon for his web comic. He he has this comic book universe that's set in what he calls 1980x. So he has a lot of um, characters that he created that started in the golden age, World War II. And you start and you see how they've developed from, you know, mom, apple pie, Americana into like this very jaded, complicated um, comic book world, you know, where morality is kind of like, you know, it's a gray area for some of these heroes. But here we have Champion, who was one of these golden age heroes, and he comes back. I think he was retired for a little bit and then he comes back into the fold and he's essentially a, and well, Superman's already an American thing, but like a very patriotic Superman type archetype. So um, 
Uh, I had already done a drawing of him during World War II with the very classic golden age colors of like bright red and yellow <laughs> and blue. And then we merge into this one that has a little bit more modern look. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. I'm also finishing out thumbnails and layouts for the Crimson Paladin issue two and getting things ready for the Big LA three Kickstarter. So there's a lot of things in the works that um, all this stuff should be coming to your uh, social media screens within the next three to four months because comic books take time. <laughs> we've, got all, we've got all but his YouTube and we'll add that to the um, to the Twitter, or excuse me, to the, it, the YouTube for our channel. I, I kept uh, it simple for all my social media, even on YouTube, Nick Garber art, look it up, it's there. <laughs> and but his I'll, website. I'll, I'll give you the link. And it, well, it's all linked on the YouTubes. Um, and um, so when, if you're viewing the, the stuff and um, like I said, you could check it out. Uh, and he has his Apogee. Is that how you say it? Tell us about Apogee. It. Yeah, he's at Apogee Comics. So if you want to check out what, what his company's producing, you can go there. Um, you've listened to me prattle on about my book. So you just look up J.R. Handley on Amazon. I've yet to read your stuff. I can't wait to tear that apart. I mean, review it on a future episode. We're great. Right, right. It's really yeah. awesome. I love it. It really is super gritty and it's a non. So many characters in Mel SF start to kind of blend together, especially after being in the service. Yeah. So it's a non-stereotypical character. Probably because so, it was written by an actual guy that did the do. So the Jason was uh, and Nick were doing an interview on the Galaxy's Edge, and I've talked about this before, so I'll give you the Reader's Digest. And uh, Jason had something to the effect: if you want to be Legion, you got to be thin. You know that old Airborne cadence, and that was right after they had given me the contract to write in their universe. And I'm like, I'll show you. I'll make a fat reservist, but fat is like <laughs> relative. Like fat is relative because he's still like I, I even have it like he's still out out PTing like the the whole busters the Marines so it's fat by Legion standards which doesn't necessarily mean fat by normal people standards because let's face it even in the twenties Fatty Arbuckle would be considered skinny today so it's all oh. like like overweight is relative he's overweight by Legion standards where they're all basically like a dog oh we've seen that dude in the military who's just yoked out of his mind and he can't pass tape. And the dude's got like a nine pack, you know, he's just yeah. a hulking dude. So, but yeah, so it's a lot of fun. So if you want to follow me, it's uh, J.R. Hanley on uh, on the Amazons. You can find all my stuff or my website, jrhanley.com. We're going to add this to the end, I think, of all of our segments about what we're working on. So I just turned in the Reservist 2 last month. Uh, I've uh, written a couple short stories this month for, um, for some anthologies that will be coming out and we'll talk about. Um, and uh, I'm starting my next series, which is basically um, portal fantasy military stuff. So modern striker mm -hmm. units get sucked into fantasy Egypt with uh, the legendary. Uh, he's going to hate me for this, but the legendary James M. Ward of TSR Fang. Santa. Yeah. All right. And now as we bring this to a close for real this time, for you can find though. us on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters, tack, and tack blades. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash sf underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at 
blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is facebook.com backslash blastersandbladespodcast. And as we say all the time, and it's on the scroll bar right now, if you want to keep the lights on, support the show at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Handley and put in there in the comment section that it gives you uh, this for the podcast. And we'll, we'll go towards it. I need more coffee. I always need more coffee. So, Seska, since I wrote the uh, the closing for you, do you want to read it as we bring this puppy home? Okay, I guess, I, but I can't take any pot shots out of this one, huh? I mean, you could. I mean, I'm not. Well, Nick's here. I can't say that he's off with having a love affair with the donut shop again. I mean, I am. You can say that. I'm just. I'm. I'm on <laughs> Thank you for spending your special. Your, <laughs> Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us for Nick Garber, Jr. Hanley, and Seska. This was the Blasters and Blades podcast. I can read it. We'll be back next week at the same time where we indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, all things that go boom and whatever ADHD thing pops into our head. Well, I like that.